This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, tonight, this is going to look like a quilt. A little bit here and a little bit there, but it's all going to end up beautiful. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's open up with prayer. Father, we just come before you tonight in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is what gives us victory. Your word is what gives us all the answers that we need in this life, Father. And so, Lord, as we sit here together tonight, Lord, in your presence, Father, we just break bread. We break the word of God, Father, together, Lord. And, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you open up the word to us. You cause us to see. You cause us to retain it. And, Satan, we just tell you in Jesus' name, you will not steal the word that is sown in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. So I've titled this, All the Promises of God, praise God, All the Promises of God. But I want us to open up our Bibles to Matthew eighteen nineteen, amen. Matthew eighteen nineteen tells us this. Chapter 18, verse 19. I'm in the New King James. Jesus said, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And so this is called the prayer of agreement. And I wanted to just touch bases a little bit tonight on the prayer of agreement. And this is really cool. Jesus said, wherever two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. So, you know, the key that unlocks this prayer of agreement is if it's God's will. Now, if Dylan and Melinda come together like Bonnie and Clyde and pray and say that we're going to rob the bank, you know, that's that's not going to happen, even though they may be in agreement to do that, because, saw a documentary on them the other day, by the way, so I talked to because that's not God's will, right? It's not God's will for Dylan and Melinda to pretend like they're Bonnie and Clyde and go around in their Model T or whatever it was the guy drove and uh, shoot up people and rob banks. That's not God's will. So that's not going to work. So the key to this whole thing is if you're in agreement with somebody in the prayer of agreement, and it just takes two of you, it takes you and somebody else to agree with you, right? It doesn't take the entire world. Jesus didn't say if any 565,253 of you agree, then I'll think about doing it. It doesn't say that at all. It says where two of you on earth agree as touching anything. Jesus said, I, it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, <laughs> I get tickled sometimes. You know, we have Sunday night prayer, 5 o'clock, 5 to 5.30 over in the in Victory. And then on Tuesday morning at 9.30 we have warfare prayer. And so this is just a little lesson on prayer when you're praying with a group. Um, so let's say, Let's say Susan prays something, okay? So Susan prays uh, just anything, whatever it is she's praying about. We have a topic. She's praying for the topic. 
and she prays X, Y, Z. While Sabrina's standing next to her, and then Sabrina repeats X, Y, Z. And then Adriana's beside next to her, and she repeats X, Y, Z. So why, why are we doing that? There's no purpose in that. Number one, she prayed. The people in the group agreed with what she prayed. We don't have to re- keep repeating what Susan has prayed. Number one, God's not stupid. He doesn't have dementia, and he can remember what Susan prayed. So we don't have to go around the room and keep praying the same thing. Okay, so all we have to do is just agree in our hearts. Yes, I agree with what Susan prayed. It doesn't mean we have to just keep repeating it. And so, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. You know, it just, it just, it's just a little lesson in prayer. I told you this was going to be a quilt thing tonight. So that's just a little uh, lesson in prayer that when we're praying together, we don't have to keep praying the same thing over and over and over again. Now, Pastor and I happen to go to a conference every year. And uh, they uh, they have this prayer stuff before the service, and a lot of times they ask pastor to pray, and he says he says he won't do it. The reason he won't do it is because brother so and so gets up there and prays for 15 minutes or five minutes, however long he prays, and then brother Tom comes up and he prays the exact same thing, and then brother Sam and then sister Susie goes up, goes up and they pray the exact thing. It's a waste of time, you know what I'm saying? And so pastors he won't do it. He's so we just don't get there early enough for him to pray, you know, for them to ask us to pray. And you may think that's terrible, but no, it's not terrible because if you're going to be praying about something, it's not a matter of who can get up and shout the loudest. Understand what I'm saying? It's not a matter of who can get up and, you know, just be boisterous and la, 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 and then somebody else get up and see if they can outshout the other person. That's, that's not prayer. That's competition. And we're not in competition with one another. We're supposed to, if Susan prays and we're in a group, we agree with what Susan prayed. You know, uh, uh, you know, presuming it's in the will of God and she doesn't want to rob banks too. Correct. <laughs> okay, hallelujah. All right. So, you know, and as I said, you don't need to go around having everyone pray for you. Um, you know, all you need is one person. You don't need to blabber all your stuff. You know, and, you know, Pastor hit on the Facebook thing this morning. You don't need to have people agree with you on prayer on Facebook. You don't even know if they know how to pray. Prayer is a sacred thing. It's really a sacred thing. And so you just don't want to flippantly throw it out there. And any Tom, Dick, and, or Harry that can or cannot pray, be praying over what it is you're agreeing for. They may be full of so much doubt and unbelief. Yes, sir. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here comes Pastor. Yay, raw. Whoopee. We're tag teaming. Amen. Amen. You know, it's like uh, back in January, the first week of January, I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed back in the first week of January with, what's that called? Plasmacytic lymphoma. The reason I don't know is because I don't major on the problem. I major on the answer. You know, what it came down to was called blood cancer. And I had 70% of my blood had cancer in it, of my blood plasma. That's my blood. (laughs) And then also they said it was stage four. And that meant that it was, you know, pretty serious stuff. And so I had my healing prayed for one time. I've never prayed since. I never told a preacher in Barstow about it till recently. I was talking to a pastor friend. And now that the thing's pretty much behind me, that I told him. So now some of the preachers. The reason being, 
I would have rather had my kindergarten class here at church pray than some other people that don't know how to pray. I'm not accusing pastors, but I've been around them. I know some things that people that don't know the Word of God don't know how to pray. And so what I did when I got diagnosed, I uh, at a staff meeting, I had the elders of the church, which was my directors, gather around me. And James 5, 14 and 15 says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. I obeyed the Bible. I called for the elders of the church. And I was sick. I had blood cancer. And so it said, let them pray the prayer of faith, anoint them with all in the name of the Lord. And it said, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so I had them pray the prayer of faith. My son David led. And he prayed the prayer of faith. And the Bible said, we'll heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he commits sins, they'll be forgiven him. So I told them, I said, now after this, I don't want you to pray for me again. I don't want the church to pray for me. But here's what you can do. You can praise the Lord. I've been prayed for. The anointing of God's in my body. My blood's getting better every day. Because Jesus said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so I prayed for one time. I've never, ever, ever since that one time said, oh, Jesus, please heal me. Oh, Jesus, please heal me. I've never said it one time. I've never asked one person for prayer. I've just thanked the Lord that his power was working in my body. Now let me give you an example. My son David, uh, Pastor David, that helps pastor here, when he was three and a half, he had leukemia. At that point in time, we weren't preachers. We were members of a 500-member church in Indianapolis, and the, there was, they had a special class called healing class, healing school, and it was for people who had terminal illnesses or chronic diseases that couldn't be cured. It was really bad sick people. And so we had a doctor that led the class. He was a doctor. His name was Dr. John Marvel, good friend of ours. He was a cancer doctor. Matter of fact, there was a series of hospitals that were in the same group, and Dr. Marvel was part of that group of hospitals where David was. Well, David, the doctors, two weeks after diagnosis, the doctor says he has no cancer in his body anymore. There's no more leukemia, that he's got mature blood cells. That said, that's impossible. He shouldn't have mature blood cells. said he does. And so in front of that whole church, we gave a testimony that the doctors confirmed the Word of God. The Word of God said when you lay hands on sick, they're recovering, getting better every day. The doctors said there's no cancer in his blood. whole church heard it. We had that healing class. We were the assistant leaders, and the doctor and his wife were the leaders of the class. But the doctor, I'm a really strong word man. The doctor was a good Bible man, but I'm a strong word man. A whole lot stronger than what he was. So 90% of the classes I taught because he knew I had more than he had. So anyway, he had this thing he liked to do at the end of every class. He'd have the people pray for each other. So we'd already give that testimony a couple weeks before that David had no cancer. We wasn't saying that by faith. The doctor said it. And so people were around praying and had this one young woman come to David. And she said, oh, Jesus, heal David. Take this cancer out of his body. I listened to that. I thought, man, I can't let this. She's going to prophesy cancer back into David. I won't let this happen. Because our words have power. And see, if I'd have stayed silent, that meant I agreed what she was saying. Well, how can you take this cancer out of the body if there's no cancer in the body? But if I stayed silent, then I'm saying, devil, you got permission to put cancer back in his body. And so she started praying that. And I was just the assistant. I wasn't the leader, but that was my son. And so the doctor, it was his job to stop it, but he didn't. So I said, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, basically what I said, I said, read my lips. I said, I told this whole church that the doctors already said 
there's no cancer in this body. So why are you telling cancer to leave the body if there's none there? That wasn't a faith statement. It was a fact. Before the cancer left, that was a faith statement. Lord, I want to thank you. Hands have been laid on David. And in the name of Jesus, leukemia left his body. It died and left, and David lived. But then people just pray just to hear themselves pray. And they don't think about what they're praying. Did anybody ever read in the book of Acts when Peter was in prison? And he got out of prison. And there were people in the church having a prayer meeting. And Jesus showed up and knocked on the door. And they said, who's there? He said, it's Peter. They all got scared. Oh, no, 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 it can't be Peter. He said, yeah, we're praying for, oh, Lord, get Peter. And he said, no, I'm standing right here. This is me. Jesus answered your prayers. And those people didn't believe it. And so, so many times in our lives, we don't believe Jesus answered our prayers, so we keep on praying. And so what's the answer? When you pray the prayer of faith over your situation, every time doubt hits your mind, instead of asking God to do it, say, thank you, Lord, you heard me the first time I prayed. Another good example is the book of John. Lazarus was at the point of death, and Jesus spoke words to God, said, this is not a sickness unto death, Lazarus is going to live. He showed up there. Lazarus had been dead three days. And you know what Jesus prayed? He didn't ask Jesus, the Lord to raise it. Jesus said, Father, I want to thank you that you heard me. And you always hear me. He said, I'm praying this not for my sake, but for their sake that are listed now. I want to thank you, Lord. When I said Lazarus would live, you heard me. Sidious turned around and said, Lazarus, come forth. Because he'd already spoke out what he wanted. So when you're standing on a serious situation... Well, I think about John and the job thing. You know, it took a while for John to get this job. He waited for it, knew God hurt him, things were happening. But the whole thing was, that stuff hits you if you're in a position on a job like that. Instead of begging God, you just, every time you think about it, Lord, I prayed, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Jesus. You're moving on people, because here's something you've got to know. When you're praying about things that involve people, sometimes people are like your dumb self. They're slow to respond to the promptings of God. And so... I know that that situation there, they had a change in uh, people up there in the, uh, what do they call that, the hiring department? Resources. Yeah, the human resources department. Well, see, God was moving, but they had a change in leadership up there, so I had to wait on people in position. Sometimes you're praying about a money thing, and God is moving on somebody to come through with that money thing, but they're slow to listen. So your job is not to start praying all over. Your job is to thank you, Lord, I'm a tither. Thank you, Lord, I'm a giver. I have sown seeds that I sown into Dr. Barclay's offering, Lord, because I sowed, I want to thank you, Lord. You have people sowing into my life now. I want to thank you, Lord, instead of saying all over again every day, oh, God, I asked you for money. I asked you, I asked you for that 20 Oh, Lord, I asked you for that $20. Next day you say, Lord, I want to thank you. I've sown for that $20, and I want to thank you that you're watching what I'm doing. So you see how this faith thing works? It's not praying the same thing twice. It's praying it. And then thanking him that he heard you the first time and just praising him. Thank him on the prayer of agreement. Can I give him one more on that? Okay. Now, this, this is a powerful lesson. I'd, I'd, I'd been, I'd been uh, back at that point in time when David got leukemia, I'd been born again for several years. I, I wasn't a pastor, but I was preaching in churches, traveling, doing some preaching, and truck driving and things. And when my son was having this leukemia treatments in the hospital, He's a little three-and-a-half-year-old boy, and he was crippled, too, at the time. He, he was crippled. He lost, for some reason, he went crippled. He couldn't walk. His legs were kind of curled up, and he couldn't do anything. And every few days, 
I praise God they'll do it this way now. I only had one little spinal tap thing. Man, I didn't like that. But David, every few days, they would give him a spinal tap to check and see if there's any cancer in his blood, his bone marrow. And when they did that, it was a terrible thing. I don't want to see anybody ever go through with their child. They'd take him in. It would take at least a couple pretty good-sized nurses to hold him still. They'd make him curl up a little ball. And they had this great big needle, great big fat needle. He had to curl up. They stuck it at the base of his body. He still got scars all over his back today from that thing. They did that. What he did, I mean, man, you talk about crying bloody murder. Man, that kid cried, and uh, it was tough. So a friend of mine named Gary Regich, he's a minister now too, he came up to see me one night. He worked at the post office, got off at 11 o'clock, I think. So about 11.30, he came up to the hospital, and uh, I slept in his bed with him. I mean, I, I knew I had the anointing in me, like I talked about this morning, but we were for the anointing. And so they had David in a special place at the nurse's station. It was a glass room. And all the nurses asked other was right there so they could see him in the glass room because of what he had. And so I slept in the bed beside him. And so I stayed there. So about, about 11.30, Gary shows up. And uh, this is a few days into the stuff going on. And Gary says, Bernie, what can, what, what can I pray for you about? I said, well, Gary, I said, I already know we got the healing. I got that taken care of. I said, we got the healing. So I've had hands laid on him. I prayed the prayer of faith as I know the healing power of God's working. So you don't need to pray for his healing. He said, well, he said, man, said, said, said I'm, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And faith, I want to pray for something. I said, I'll tell you what you can pray for, Gary. I said, I can't stand it when they stick that needle in his spine. I said, that hurts me so bad. And I said, all my faith has already been spent on his healing to keep him alive and see him come out of here alive. I said, I have no faith left for that pain part. He said, well, I've got it. I said, well, yeah, but I don't. He said, but I've got it. And then he said, Matthew 18, 19. And I, already, I, I, could, I could have quoted that verse forward or backward. Gary said, now look at this with me. He pulls a little Bible out of his pocket. We always carry little Bibles in our pocket. He said, Jesus said, if any two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything, it will be done for them by my Father, which is in heaven. I said, yeah. I said, but I don't have faith for that. And Gary said, I want to read it again. If any two of you on earth shall agree. And he kept reading. I said, yeah, I know that. And finally said, listen, you don't have faith for it. I'm not, you're not trying to get me to agree with you. I've got faith for it. You just agree with me. I learned a valuable lesson that day. I said, wait a minute. I said, I see it now. You've got faith for it. I said, before you down to my unbelief level about that, you want me to hook up your belief level is way up here. For God to do what he said he would do. He said, yeah. He said, I've got faith that David can go through this pain-free. And so he prayed. He said, do you agree with that? I said, I, I agree with your faith, Gary, that our Father in heaven is going to keep David pain-free. This is the absolute fact verified by her or anybody else that was around. He had to get needles and stuff for the next few years checking stuff. He never had to have another treatment because he was healed, and we wouldn't let it come back. He would go to these places, a little kid. We'd go up to that hospital. They'd stick these big needles with him, and he would literally start laughing. He'd say, ooh, that tickles. And the nurses would look at him like, what's going on here? This went on for years and years. He felt no pain from needles. We'd go there. They'd check him. It got to where then was going, after he was out of the hospital, going every couple weeks for a test, then once a month for a test, then after a while, once every six months for a test. And this went on to he was like, what, way up in his teens. And every time he went, it was the same thing. He'd, 
Ooh, that tickles. Ooh, that's cold. Things like that. But you know what happened? The prayer of agreement. I agreed with Gary's faith. And that's what Jesus said, our Father in heaven, the two of you agree on earth. And so let me tell you this, husband and wife, teams, or anybody else out here, when you guys are going through things sometimes, if somebody's weaker in faith than the other one is, and then some other area, this person's stronger in faith than that one is, you find out where you're at, and if you're not in agreement, build yourself up, and whoever's got the stronger faith for that area, then you say, okay, I'm going to agree with you. God will bring that $10,000 in in time. God will get us that car paid for. We'll be debt-free. God will bring this to pass. And you hook up the other one's faith, and then you just thank Jesus that he's bringing it to pass and that he's doing it. Amen? Amen. You can butt in any time you want to, my dear. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, uh, you know, like I said a minute ago, you don't need to go around asking everybody to pray, you know, to pray for you. How you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> um you know, you will get mature enough that you can pray for yourself. You know, um, you know, a lot of times, Pastor and I still have, we'll call maybe Dr. Barkley, have him pray with us about something, you know. But you don't have, you know, you'll get to the point where you will know God and you will know the Word and you will trust God enough that you can handle your own praying. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's really cool. Um, that's really cool. Um, I want you to uh, look at an example of this. Open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1 in the Old Testament. Again, I'm in the New King James. And I'm going to skip through some verses here, just kind of jump around until I get to a point. But this is the account of uh, Hannah. Hannah was the mother of Samuel. She was married to a man named Elkanah. Who had two wives. Aren't you glad folks don't have two wives today? What a circus. As you can. Oh, what? <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know what he said. But he got me off course here. Oh. What I was going to say was. so, Like you got more than one wife. You're going to have a lot of problems. Okay. Because you got this jealousy thing going on. So Anyway. Uh, Hannah was one of his wives, and Peninnah was another of his wives. Well, Peninnah had children by Elkanah, but Hannah did not. She did not have any children. So come on down here to verse 6. And her rival, meaning uh, Hannah's rival, Peninnah, the other wife, provoked her severely to make her miserable because it says the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year. When she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Now notice this. It says, when they went up to the house of the Lord, they're going up to the church, the temple, and this other wife's provoking this gal, you know, in church. And I'm thinking, man, go down here to verse 8. Then we're going to read this for a little bit. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. How many of you have ever been just your, just your heart's just, ugh, you know, and you're just crying out to the Lord. I think we've all been there. 
at one time or another for one thing or another. You know, we've all been there. Then she, verse 11, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, he was the, at the temple guy, watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoke. I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and her and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, who knew about her prayer? Who knew what the prayer was? Just God. It was only Hannah and God. She didn't even tell Eli the priest. So she kept this thing in her heart with her and the Lord, right? And if you go on to read the rest of the chapter, she did have a son. And his name was Samuel. And he became a great prophet of the Lord. And when he was about three years old, she took him to the temple. And she gave him to Eli the priest. And he was raised up in the temple. But in the meantime, the Lord gave Hannah a lot more children. So isn't that cool? She didn't have to, you know, praise God, they didn't have Facebook back then. Because if they had, there would have been a whole lot of doubt and unbelief that would have gotten in there. They would have said, well, Hannah, you know, you never have had kids. You're never going to have kids. You know, what's the matter with you? Da-da-da-da-da. Just be happy and, you know, da-da-da-da. But no, that is not what she wanted. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Heather. <laughs> okay. Um, let me find where I was. Flip over to Second Corinthians one twenty. Second Corinthians one twenty. You know why it's so important to keep stuff just in your heart, or if you're believing, if or if you have somebody that you know can believe with you and keep their mouth shut. Because if something is so precious to you, you know, you've heard the scripture talks about don't cast your pearls before swine. Well, it's kind of like that. If you've got something that, that, that is that precious in your heart that you are praying, you know, just, just you and God know about, just secret, secret things that just you and God know about, you need to keep it that way. You know, and then then when the Lord comes about, then you can give your testimony. I mean, you know, here we read about it in the book of Samuel. You know, we read about it now. And it becomes, you know, public. Everybody sees it and everybody knows it. But precious things that are just nobody knows about. Maybe your husband doesn't know about. Maybe your wife doesn't know about. It's secret stuff. It's just secret, secret stuff. And that's not bad. 
You know, because you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of times you just need to keep stuff between you and the Lord. Amen. Okay. Let's see. I said to turn to 2 Corinthians one i I'm not there yet, but I will make it there. 2 Corinthians one twenty tells us this. It says, for all the promises of God. How many? What does all mean? All means all, and that's just the way it is, right? For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So all the promises of God are yes and amen. So he's not withholding this promise from this person while he's giving it to this person over here. But you do have to realize that although God is not a respecter of persons, he is a respecter of his word. So if so-and-so over here is praying for the same thing that so-and-so is over here, so-and-so has received it, but so-and-so hasn't. But if you stop and look at their lifestyle, this one lives a complete total life of sin. You know what I'm saying? And this one serves the Lord and, you know, sold out to Jesus. So a lot of times there's some factors involved there. You know, God's not the United States government that just throws out money to everybody, whether they deserve it or not. You know what I'm saying? God is just, God is righteous, and God does what is honest and what is full of integrity. We serve a just God. His laws are pure. His ways are pure. And we can't sneak in through the back door and think, well, just because it's me, you know, I can get away with this. No, you can't. You can't get away with diddly squat. If God has said in his word, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and you're trying to go around the back door and get by this, it's not going to work. It is not going to work. Hallelujah. So all the promises of God are yea and amen, okay? Now, however, sometimes there's timing issues. Now, we've talked about John and this job. You know, John's got this job, but he hasn't gotten in his car and driven to Fort Irwin yet because they haven't done the stamp thing, whatever it is they do. But he's got the job. So sometimes it takes patience and there's timing. And that's the hard part sometimes is the patience and the waiting because sometimes we're tempted to lose faith. Well, I guess I didn't get it, you know, or something, you know, whatever the devil throws at your head. But if we if we just say, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that job. Or thank you, Lord, for whatever it is, you know. Just as Pastor said, you just start thanking him for it, thanking him for it, thanking him for it. Give him praise and glory and thanking him for it. Then that helps you to get through. You know, and one thing that we used to do, probably still do it. You know, you're standing, you need to be standing on some word. You know, like John, you ought to be standing on some word, you know. Uh, I said the other night I was talking, I was praise, preaching and I was talking about somebody believing for a job. Well, you know, what scripture would you stand on for that? And then I thought, okay, well, Father, your word says that if I don't work and take care of my family, I'm worse than an infidel. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, you're providing me with my job. You see what I'm saying? That you're praying the word. You're, you're speaking the word back to God, back to the Lord. Lord, you know, I need a job. I need to take care of my family. Your word says if I don't have a job, I am worse than an infidel. And, Lord, I don't want to be worse than an infidel. You don't want me to be worse than an infidel. So, Father, I just thank you for my job. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And your word, Father, your word also says you don't work, you, you don't eat. Well, Lord, I got these people I got to feed, you know. So how can I feed them if I don't have a job? You know, that's talking the word back up to him. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, your, your situation may be different. 
But you've got to have some word to go with what you're believing for. No faith, no word, no. No, if you don't have any word, you don't have any faith. No faith, I mean no word, no faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, I'm going to say it again. If you don't have any word, you don't have any faith. You got that? Okay, say you're believing for healing. What healing scriptures are you standing on? You know, let's 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 hear what they are. You know, if you're believing for your finances, what financial scriptures are you are you standing on? You know, you're believing for the job. What scriptures are you standing on? You're believing for restoration in your family. What scriptures are you standing on? There is nothing in your life that God has not covered in his word. And it's up to you to dig your little self into this word and find out the scriptures that you need. You know, sometimes all it takes is one. But it's nice to have more than one. I like to have more than one. But anyway, that's cool. So you get that? You've got to have some faith. And let me just give you a clue. You know, in the back of your Bible, if you have a nice Bible at all, you'll you'll have a concordance. And uh, and it'll tell you stuff. Or if you can think of like a part of a scripture, if you look back back in your concordance, you know, you can get the, where the reference is, where the address is to that. Or if you have a strong analytical concordance, which is a big heavy book about like that. Or if you have Google on your phone, you can put in there, where is the verse about marriage? Where is the verse about money? Where are the verses about that say da-da-da-da-da-da? You know, you got part of the verse. You just stick part of that verse in that Google search and whammo, it'll come back with you and tell you where the address is. It's a piece of cake anymore. I don't have to spend hours and hours and hours going, thumbing through the getting out the magnifying glass, trying to read the, the Greek numbers and the Hebrew numbers in that Strong's Analytical Concordance to find out where that thing is. Amen. Cool deal. All right. So there are timing issues. Now, uh, back up to uh, Psalms 34.7. Now, I just, I, if, if, you, if you haven't heard this, it is God, not God's will for you to be poor. Jesus said, what is it, Luke, what is that? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What is it? Where is it? Luke 4.18. And Where? Isaiah, Isaiah 60, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What it, Gospel means good news. What is good news to a poor person? You don't have to be poor anymore. Amen? Amen? Isn't that good news? Yeah. You don't know how many people have come through these doors, you know, over the last 13 years we've been here, and even back in Indiana, didn't have a job, were homeless, blah, 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 blah. They come in here, sit under the word, all of a sudden, they got jobs. You know, I just, I just can't get over Jesse and Desiree. They're the, they're the examples. They came here homeless. Homeless. You know Jesse and Desiree. They came here homeless. Jesse gets a job out at the Home Depot. I mean, he, this guy just gets promotion after promotion after promotion after promotion. Now he's working on the pro desk. He runs the pro desk over there, and she's head cashier. I mean, you know, they were homeless. But you start sitting under this word, and they have a really nice house now, too. So, see, the Lord blesses you. It's not, it's not God's will for you to be poor and lack and want. It's God's will for you to be blessed. And it's kind of like Pastor said when he was taking up the offering about, uh, you know, you know uh, a sinner in Vegas get, wins a lot of money. Well, he's not bringing it into the church. 
Although there is a scripture that says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. But you know how that wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just? If that wicked person gets born again, then he can bring his money in, you know. So don't be afraid to witness to a rich person. Amen. Because eventually they will bring their money into the kingdom of God. Okay, where was I? Psalms 37, verse 4, right here. I mean 37, verse 4. Pastor says, I always get my left and my right mixed up. So, you know, we'll be driving down the road. I'll say, turn right. Turn right. So he starts to turn right. And I said, no, 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 the other right. <laughs> I get that mixed up all the time. So anyway, Psalms 37, verse 4. This is so cool. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your hearts. The desires of your hearts. Those secret things, those desires in your heart. You know, someone I heard one guy said to me one day, Oh, I know that God will supply my wants, but I mean my needs, but he won't, you know, do anything about my wants. And I looked at him, I said, Well, the word says he gives us the desires of our hearts. Yeah, yep, I'm going there in a minute. Don't take my scriptures, Pa. Okay, flip back to uh Proverbs or flip over, I guess, to Proverbs ten twenty two. He gives us the desires of our heart. Proverbs 10.22. This is a really good one. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Wow. That is really cool. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You know, pastor gave a testimony that I received part of my inheritance from my mother. Well, my mother was a secretary. She worked for an accounting firm. Um, you know, she made good money as a head secretary of an accounting firm in Rhode Island. My dad was retired from the Army, and he wasn't really working anymore. But my mother was super sharp with money. And she would invest stuff. And she lived to be 95, so you can imagine, you know, it went on for a while. So um, I got a really nice check, part of my inheritance from my mom. And uh, you know what? There wasn't any sorrow with that. It just arrived in the mail. And I went and I put it in the bank. And they said, well, wait 10 days and then you can withdraw from it. So I wrote down the 10 days. I went to the bank. I, wrote, I, I, I took the money out that I need for, for my tithe. And I took it to my other bank, and I deposited it. And Pastor and I wrote out a tithe check, and I deposited it this morning. You know what? It felt really good putting that amount of money in. I've never put that amount of money in anything before. But, you know, that didn't cost, you know, that was because of the smartness of my mother. Well, money can come to you from other ways, too. And I never, ever thought I'd get an inheritance. You know, we say the financial face confession, you know, inheritances and bills paid off. And but, you know, da, 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 da. I thought, yeah, here I am. But you know what? I did. I got one. You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty cool. So anyway, and yes, I am saving it for a house. Hallelujah. Yes, indeed. I'm getting a bigger house. Okay. Now flip back to uh, uh, Psalms 23.1. Pastor started to say it a minute ago. You should all know this by heart, the, the 23rd Psalm by heart. Teach it to your children. My mom taught it to me when I was little. The 23rd Psalm. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall what? 
not want. Do you like being in lack? Anybody here like lack? Anybody here like being wanting for stuff? Wanting. Anybody like that? But it says right here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that cool? Psalms 37, something says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Psalms 37, verse 25, my, my in-house concordance here tells me all the answers. Psalms 37, verse 25, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. Amen. Pretty cool stuff. Look at uh, Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10. So we've kind of switched from prayer over to the financial thing. I told you this was kind of a quilt tonight. And it'll be all pieced together somehow or other. Um, Psalms 34, 9 and 10. It says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Now, is that a promise? That's a promise from the Lord. That's a promise from the Lord. You can take it to the bank. Amen. Um, so tell me some, tell me, you, it's your turn to talk to me. Okay. So you got to talk real loud. You got to yell back at me so they can pick it up. So what, give me a want. I mean, give me a need. What is a need? Somebody give me a food, a house, a car, education money. What? Water. Anybody else? What is what is a what is a need? What? Clothes. Well, yeah, that'd be nice to have some clothes to wear. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a shoe queen? <laughs> you have a want. You have a need and a want. <laughs> What'd you say? Ins- well, insurance. Yeah. Yes, for your kids. Kids. What'd you say? Utilities. Right. Maxine. Well, vacation's not really, uh, that's, that's a want. Elise. What? What? Air. Oh, yeah, air. Okay. Henry. Communication, yeah. Okay. I'm going to blow a couple of these out of the water. Vacation's a, a, a want, not a need. Uh, insurance is a blessing. But you know how many years we went without insurance because we couldn't afford it. So you know what you do when you don't? The yeah, car, yeah, car, car insurance or self insurance. You know, you pay for your, you pay for your own. Yeah, you pay. Yeah, you put your own money back. But there were times when we couldn't afford insurance, or he had a job. You know, back in the day, that he, um, um, his job didn't pay for insurance. Whatever. We just believe the Lord. You know, we just believe the Lord, and. Other than, than Pastor Dave getting sick when he was a little fellow, our kids were never sick. You know? We just, you know, that's, that's stealing your money when you've got to take your kids to the doctor all the time because they're sick. Yeah, we didn't even have insurance when he got sick and the Lord came through and paid for all that. That was another story for another day. Okay, so we've got, we've got some, you, you told me some of your need, some of your needs. Okay, now, let's talk about wants. The desire. Let's ch- uh, trade the word want for desire. A trip to Italy. Okay. Uh, he wants a trip to Italy. That's true. 
And you said vacation. Okay, what? yes, ma'am, another one? I can't hear what you're saying. Okay, what is she said something about she wants to hold babies. Oh, okay, cool deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Are you did you want to say something, Tom? Or are you just sitting there grinning at me because you want to? Yeah. Entertainment, yeah. Henry. He want a record player? They still make those, you know. Yeah, that's one of the regrets of my life. I could shoot myself in the foot. I, when they wait, wait a minute, when they had when records, you know, they didn't didn't do records anymore. I threw all my records away. Keith Green records and all this stuff. I wish I had that. Robert. A what? Oh no no no. He wants a baby. You better watch what you're saying in the house of God, brother. Kathy. So your, your desire, I heard part of that. Your desire of your heart is for your for your family members to come to church, right? And they are, aren't they? Amen. And to know the Lord, Adriana. You want a boat? Okay, that's fine if you have a boat. This is what we saw in Indiana: lots of lakes and stuff in Indiana, lots of rivers. Every believer we ever had that got a boat started taking it out on Sunday. We never saw them again. They backslid. So if you get your boat. Make sure that you're in church on Sunday. James, okay? What do you say? Good for you. Okay. All right. All right. Yes, James. He wants to retire early. Well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Diana. You want a house in Barstow. Okay. Yeah, I'm believing for a bigger house, and it's coming, too. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. My big house, yes. You know why I want a big house? Not so I can consume it upon my own lust, but my dining room where I live, when when Pastor Dave and his family comes over, when Josh and Julie and their family come over, and that's just part of our family, okay? Yeah. We don't even have room to sit around the table. When my relatives come from out of town, we don't have room to put them up in our house. You know, I want to be able to have a huge dining room, a huge living room, and some bedrooms that I can use for guest bedrooms, like when Judith Harrington's coming, I would love to have her stay at my house, you know, and stuff like that. So it's not for me to really consume it upon my own lust. I need it. It's a tool. Amen. Anybody else have a desire they want to throw out there? Sabrina. On your own salon. Well, see, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you never will unless you make your request known to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So so start praying about it, you know. Amen. In the Lord's proper timing, you'll get that. Okay. Oh, and also I want to say this, too, and I'm going to close with this. Although the Lord is not our shopping catalog or our Amazon or our eBay, he is our source. We cannot go to him only to give him our shopping list, correct? However... He does delight in seeing that the things you need and desire do come to pass and that he does get them to you. Isn't that true? Amen. He doesn't want to just be your gimme, 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 you know. 
You know, like Pastor Roy says, my name is Jimmy, I'll take all, my name is Jimmy, I'll take all you can give me. You know, we don't have to have that attitude with the Lord, you know. We need to fellowship with him. But at the same source, he is our, he is our, at the same time, he is our source and he is our supplier. He says he'll supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, there's a whole lot of promises on finances in the word. So anyway, hi, Darren. So I'm going to close with that. Good. I said hi. I'm up here. I can say whatever I want to. I got the mic. Hello. (laughs) Okay, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.